Stealthy Hunter introduces Matt Clemens Bent Herbalist Full Spectrum Hemp Products. Here's a statement from Matt about what Bent Herbalist is all about. Our company was bent on a single vision to provide an honest and open dialogue around a plant that has been part of the human experience for over 5,000 years and execute that vision into intelligent delivery systems to support healing and wellness. Sourced from USA-grown hemp in the fields of Colorado and formulated following industry best practices by a family of herbalists, doctors, and engineers in the Rocky Mountains of Montana, our full-spectrum products redefine hemp as we know it today. If you want more information about the Bent Herbalist products, go to hempforhunters.com. And that would be me. Hello, everybody. So just a little bit of backstory. If you haven't already, go to go to listen to, I think it's podcast number 74 and it's with Matt Kleeman and it's on cannabis and CBD and medicinal benefits of this plant. And, um, this is one of our highest downloaded podcasts, um, so far and for good reason. Um, if you're looking for something that is not just covering up a symptom, it's not just like an Advil that's blocking a pathway in the inflammatory cascade, right? It's a food. It's actually nourishing this endocannabinoid system that Matt talks about in your body. And that's what is so exciting about it for me. And I've, you know, I've wanted a product. I've wanted something that I could stand behind and I could trust. And so I went to Matt and I said, I think that you need to be selling this and I will help you sell it. And so he, just from the response he's had, just from the Hunt Harvest House community and emails and stuff, he was like, I'm on board, whatever we need to do to get this product out. We decided to launch this product and to launch Matt's CBD, um, which the product is called the Bent Herbalist. That's his brand. And I've decided at this point not to private label it. I've had a lot of people say, oh, you should private label it. And I'm like, well... You know, honestly, this is Matt's product. He's worked years and years of his life to get it to this, and I want to support him and help him work through this. So for now, we're just keeping his brand, and this is the only place that you can buy it online. We decided to launch this and to introduce you to it is we decided to get somebody on the podcast who had actually sent us a message related to how CBD and THC have improved their health condition. Justin Clement and and he sent a message to Ryan and 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 we read it and we we're just like oh my gosh we totally got to share this story. Now Justin has not been on Matt CBD but he's been doing CBD. He's also does some THC and he talks about just what he has experienced. He has Lyme disease and Lyme disease is also very rampant in this community. Um I can't tell you how many people I meet now since we did the Lyme disease podcast that come up to us and tell us they, they've either have it or they've had it or they think they have it and they've been wrongly diagnosed. And so um, Justin shares how this plant has changed his Lyme symptoms, I guess, and his... It's made it livable. Livable. Basically. Yeah. And I really want to thank Justin for putting this out there. This is... Uh, a lot of private stuff. <laughs> a lot of people wouldn't admit to a lot of stuff that Justin talks about in here, but 
he's, yeah, he's he's a great great kid, um, and you know he confided in me in these things a long time ago, and it's just rough, man. The symptoms that uh, he's got to go through, and anybody with Lyme has to go through, is crazy. I mean, it's just like, man, I just feel like I have so much because I don't have to deal with that mm -hmm. those kind of issues and symptoms every day. But um, now nah, he he reached out a long time ago and. And uh, it's super cool to hear him that he's found something that's worked because he's, like I said before, end of his rope. I mean, this is like this is there's just nothing else that really works very well. So there's a few times in this podcast where he commented about his mental state, about a number of things that you know really like make you stand back and think about. <laughs> You know, you don't really know what people are going through. You think you do and you don't. And there's lots of people out there suffering. And I think what I got from this podcast and what I got from Justin is that there's also a lot of things that can help and you don't need to suffer um, as much as you are. There's things there's and, and that's why, you know, he talks about cannabis and basically how it saved his saved his life with this this whole his whole mental state and his ability to do his job and to be somewhere like the Hunt Expo with thousands of people, um, which is really stressful for somebody in his condition. Um, and he's made a few statements in here that just made me sit back and think, wow, you know, this is this is no joke. And and being a physician and seeing patients with chronic chronic infections it's rough like for myself i had lyme a long time ago i think there's a lot of hunters out there that have recently realized that they've also had it um we continue to talk to people who have been diagnosed and um now it's one of those conditions that we're all susceptible to if you're if you're a guy that, or a gal that spends time in the woods uh Gosh dang, it's, it just seems like these days the ticks are so bad and Lyme has kind of spread like wildfire and creating all kinds of havoc out there amongst people. So uh, it's a pretty important podcast to listen to, listen to Justin tell his story. I think it's really good. All right. Enjoy. <laughs> Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Hunt Harvest Health Podcast. This is Doc Hillary, and I'm here with Ryan, and we are at the 2019 Hunt Expo in Salt Lake City. We're actually re recording a podcast here. Usually we just come and socialize and don't get a ton of content, but... But there was one podcast we really wanted to get while we were here. Yes. And honestly, like for me, I think this is one of the most important ones that I wanted to talk about. Um, and so maybe we should just stay who we're sitting with here. We're sitting here with Justin Clement. And he... Clement. Clement sorry. Close enough. Okay. <laughs> we can call him Justin. How about that? Yep. Um, and... You work with the Full Draw Film Tour? Yep. Is yep. that? Okay. Been, so just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. So yeah, my name is Justin Clement. Uh, I help out with the Full Draw Film Tour, have for uh, a couple years now. Um, started out when Cody was the owner, Cody Kellum, and then uh, Jade took over and I've just been helping out since and really enjoy it. Just gets me a chance to come to meet a lot of cool people and get out in the hunting industry a little bit and enjoy myself. So. Yeah, that yeah, was good. We, we've uh, 
we've got to chat a little bit the last couple of years we've seen you here mm -hmm. and uh we've done i mean you and i have done a little bit of chatting over the years on yeah. social yeah exactly on social on the phone and just talking yep. about the solo hunting because i i hunt a lot by myself you know much like you and right um you know not necessarily out of choice per se but you know more out of necessity but yeah um, i'm growing to enjoy it a lot more than i thought i would this solo, solo hunting solo hunting yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's addicting, I think. Um, there's advantages and disadvantages for sure, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think, I don't, I don't know you well enough, but we seem a little similar in a way. Um, you know, I like to be in the mountains, quiet. Um, social is fun. Friends are fun, fun but mm -hmm. uh, there's something about being back there by yourself and, and doing things your way. And um, I know you get after a lot of hunts. I saw... I do my I best. To, I get to follow your stuff and <laughs> see you when you get to go down in Arizona and chase bulls around and all yeah, that. So that was a pretty epic trip. Uh, ended up with a kawadi and a bull on the same day, and you lucky bugger. Also found six Kawhi. sheds on the stock end, so it was a. Uh, I couldn't ask for a better day in the mountains. So it was it was pretty epic. Okay, real quick, just because I got to know um, the kawadi. Mm -hmm. Tell me about this kawadi and how you got him. So the kawadi, I was sitting glassing and I don't know if you've been to Arizona at all in the desert, but it's just dead quiet. There was no wind, no bugs, no squirrels, no birds, nothing. And sitting glassing in the morning, watching the bull that ended up killing, um, I've been watching him from about three days and uh, all of a sudden just heard a bunch of noise and i couldn't figure out where it was and i was like man it's got to be a, a bull just hanging out somewhere close and so uh, i grabbed my binoculars and stuff and went looking and ended up coming across this little canyon and looked down in there and sure enough there's a coati with his tail wrapped around an agave the uh or some guys down there call them century plants but it's got a big long stem that comes out it's like 12 feet tall he had his tail wrapped around that and he was digging out the bottom of it looking mm -hmm. for food or something and my uh shadow crossed where he was and right when my shadow crossed where he was he turned around and started hissing and stuff and hmm. so uh so they are aggressive yeah aggressive. he was he was a male so the research that i've done is that the males are very aggressive and that's why the females a lot of times people see them in big groups of big groups 10 or 12 or more you know because yeah. they're doing that for safety from cats and things from from what i've read and uh yeah he ended up being pretty aggressive so that's shot crazy him. yeah brian call ran across that one on his hunt last year and it was real aggressive like charging in on him and, yeah and making all kinds of racket uh-huh and, and, and is that one that one did the same yeah. basically yeah. yeah so yeah. he saw you or saw your shadow he saw my shadow and freaked out and did yeah. he take off or did he no. actually come your direction he, he just kind of stood his ground and was hissing and growling and making noise and stuff and no just kidding. acting real aggressive and so i put an arrow in him gosh darn that's uh yeah that's impressive that's yeah. cool it was it was pretty cool i was like i was just kind of like wow this is mm -hmm. i can't believe this happened you know i had seen him the year before just kind of crossing the highway and didn't really know what it was at first and then yeah looked it up and i was like wow it's such an interesting animal it is and yeah. I, I got it full mounted on a little uh little rock thing it sits on the wall it's pretty cool right awesome so, that's cool all right, that was just a little tangent, but I had to know. I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out bits, bits and pieces of this kawadi. It's a mystery right now, still. So it is. We, uh, yeah, we got beaten down by the kawadis this this year, and I never had, I never came across an aggressive one, so we never had that action. But 
have just come to the conclusion that they're very like sneaky, but apparently not so much. I don't think they're super sneaky, but no. I, I just think they're they're an odd critter. That's for yeah. sure. Crazy. I just I just call them sneaky because uh, they beat me so badly. Yeah, I figured they must be, but no, apparently <laughs> not. More guys I talk to about them. Yeah. So, anyways, um, so where like where did you come from as far as state? You've been up uh, in Washington State? Yeah, I've been in Washington for a long time. I just recently moved just across the border into Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now this is this is my second year as an Oregon resident. Um, but pretty much started hunting when I was 21 in Washington, cutting my teeth around the Mount St. Helens area, you know, the mm-hmm. coastal jungle of just the it west side. And, uh, yeah, just kind of went from there and started applying out of state and things like that and went for it and now you're down in Oregon now I'm down in Oregon there's more people moving out of Washington these days than moving <laughs> yeah. I don't know I feel hunters. like a lot of people are still moving to Washington at least the hunters yeah 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 the hunters are getting out yeah that's for sure well you had written us or you had written Ryan a message a, a while back about um your struggle with Lyme disease mm-hmm. correct yeah so and we we did a podcast I've I think I interviewed uh yeah I I think I know I interviewed a colleague of mine who's a Lyme disease guy and mm-hmm. um, had, we did two podcasts on that and then we got a lot of feedback about that and um, the Lyme disease epidemic especially in the hunting community is is pretty big it's, and it's growing we now know a lot of people including well-known people that have or have had Lyme disease and we've shared that story. Ryan had Lyme disease when he was quite young. He shared that. We shared that in a podcast. And mm-hmm. he caught it early and hasn't had any symptoms um, yeah. of that. But Yeah, for hunters, it's, it's scary because we're always out in the woods, you know, especially in the springtime. I've noticed as soon as you want to get out in the woods, you know, winter's kind of uh, fading. And, and in Washington State, I mean, most states now, there's so many ticks. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, it, it wouldn't bother me so much without that threat of the diseases that ticks carry, the Lyme disease and whatnot. Mm-hmm. They don't bother me except for fear of that, spe- specifically Lyme disease. So I'm with you. As I, hunters, we're just we're just in it yep. all the time. I don't, you know, I like to. Threat. A lot of people tell me, you know, isn't that like really rare to get? And I mean, you know, it is. Yeah, for the general public, but the general public doesn't put ourselves in those situations on you know, as much as we possibly can, you know, as a hunter, we want to be in the woods as often as possible. And so, you know, I think for me, it was just a kind of an arrogance on my part. Um, I didn't know a lot about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And ironically, your guys' podcast came out about two months before I got my official diagnosis. So Mm. I got my diagnosis and I remember listening to your guys' podcast on Lyme after that and that's when it kind of hit me that it was a lot bigger of a deal than I had originally thought. And so, so when you were thinking back, um, once you got it diagnosed, were you, were you able to like pinpoint or kind of guesstimate a time as to when you think you caught it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause I can recall having tick bites and Mm -hmm. in particular, I remember having a tick lodged in my shoulder for, about a day and a half. Mm. Um, in this particular instance, it was about three and a half years ago. I had drawn a late season deer tag for Washington, um, over in the central area. And 
done a bunch of scouting, found a bunch of bucks and all that, and it was all good, and ended up shooting a cougar and a bobcat from the tree stand with my bow, and ended up being on the pack out is when I got a tick lodged in my shoulder, and I didn't really notice it because, you know, if, if you've ever packed out an animal, you know, you're just thinking about getting the meat out. You, you have know? all kinds of discomfort already. Yeah, you're already just, you know, worn down, <laughs> beat up, you know, you're just trudging along, and then you don't notice, like, a little incy-wincy bite in your shoulder, you know, it happened to be under my backpack strap, so I didn't notice sure. it for a long time. It was already red and, you know, kind of inflamed from just rubbing that kind of thing, and... So that pretty much was how I was able to pinpoint when I got it. And then further DNA and blood tests later on proved that the strain that I have is actually first discovered in Goldendale, Washington, which is where. <laughs> That's exactly where I got mine the first time. Yeah. First time. I actually go. got a tick in Goldendale, Washington <laughs> in the back of my neck. Yeah. Years yeah. ago, I went to Goldendale with him, and that's the only place I've ever gotten a tick is Goldendale. And most most people know that the ticks are bad in that area. Yeah. You know, a lot yeah. of people know, but you know, I, it's just one of those things. Like I said, it's an arrogance on my part. I didn't think it was sure. as big of a deal as it actually is. Right. No. So what? So what ensued? Like you got bit, and then what? What started happening? So I got bit, and then it was about. I'd say a month to six weeks later, right in that time period. I can't I can't remember exactly how long it was before I started seeing symptoms, but basically I felt like I was sick. Just like I had the flu, but I didn't have any gastrointestinal problems. I just felt like, you know, the body aches, the intermittent fevers, just that kind of thing. Um, and that went on for about four months intermittently where it would be, I don't know, I'd probably have like a, Two in the afternoon, I'd just start feeling like crap and get a fever, and it would come on, and by 11 o'clock at night, it would break, and then the next day, I'd be fine until the afternoon, and it would happen again. And that went over and over and over, like, I'd say probably eight or nine times I had those recurring fevers, mm -hmm. and then I started having a weird chest pain and heart palpitations and things like that on top of it, and... To put a long story short, I went to the doctor and, and I suspected that I had Lyme because I knew that I had bitten by, bitten by a tick and I did some research. I had listened to uh, Stephen Rinella talk about it when him and his son got it. And so I was kind of aware, but not really. And uh, basically went to the doctor, told him, I said, hey, I think I have Lyme disease, you know, went through the whole gamut of tests, this and that. And I didn't find out until about June of last year that the doctors told me that it was negative, but they never actually did the test. No kidding. What? So, yeah, it was an in-house um, doctor's office, and you just walk across the lobby and go to the lab, get your blood work done. So it's in-house all there. And uh, the order was put in and everything. And then I found out, yeah, last year about June, I called him because I was, I was just curious, you know, like I want to look at that test again just to confirm it. The nurse was like, yeah, it looks like, you know, the order was placed and everything, but they just didn't run the test. No kidding. Oh, dear. So that was a real gut punch right there. Yeah. But, um, you know, from then on, I really never got treated until about a year ago. So I basically essentially went two and a half years untreated, undiagnosed, just the doctors at the end of that 
four-month period pretty much said, yeah, you have some kind of virus. We don't know what it is, but it should run its course and you'll be fine. And So, so did the symptoms get like, did they stay the same or progressively worse? Did they change? They changed. Um, so I went from having all those fevers and the flu-like symptoms. Like I said, it was like three to four months off and on. And then it progressed to more of like a neurological thing. Um, I still have like the heart palpitations now and then, but I started just getting crazy, just um, brutal anxiety and depression that I had never, never experienced before. And I, I had no reason to be in the state of mind I was in, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard to explain, but um, it was just very debilitating. Like I would wake up and I, and I would just feel sad and like depressed for and I didn't know why I had no idea and it went on like that for about a year and I just you know I saw psychologists and all kinds of things and then last year it progressed and all of a sudden I started having panic attacks just out of the blue you know um, I developed a startle complex where um, any little noise light flickers things like that will startle me and sometimes if it's bad I can it'll trigger a panic attack and um it just it just progressed really rapidly and I just I didn't know what was going on it took a while and a lot of research to really figure it out but damn how did you figure it out uh so and I I owe a huge thank you to you and Ryan for just talking about it on the podcast because I reached out to a naturopath uh locally in Oregon where I live now and just went to her office and she listened. It was it was a yeah. two hour thing, you know. I had been to four or five different doctors. A couple of them told me I was making it up. A couple of them told me that I didn't have Lyme at all, even though I had six DNA blood tests to prove that I have it. They looked at me and they're like, "You don't have Lyme. Something's you know, it's all in your head," is what they insinuated. Wow. And so I always, you know, I just. I questioned myself a lot about it, Yeah, I guess is kind of hard. But anyways, the, the naturopath, she listened and, and that was kind of the biggest thing. And, and, uh, after that initial visit, her thought was, I think you have Lyme disease. And I said, that can't be like the doctors told me it was negative. And at that point I went in for more blood tests and she confirmed that I had Lyme disease and that's when it all started and I got the official diagnosis and then I learned later on a couple months later that the doctor before a couple years ago didn't do didn't the test. Didn't actually do the test. Mm -hmm. oh Holy my gosh. smokes. Wow. wow. So it's that, been a, it's been a ride. That's for sure. Yeah. So what have you done? I think that, I think that part of your, your letter to us was also like what's helped you mm -hmm. and what, what's helped you. So CBD has helped me a lot. Okay. I did. I did run through and do some antibiotics. Okay. Um, and I, I got worse. Yeah. It was. And that's typical. Yeah. It was really, really brutal. I, I went through. I think I was taking about five thousand milligrams of uh, antibiotics a day for about a month and a half or so, and it just got to the point where I kept debilitating and I couldn't eat and I started losing weight and just got really bad and it was tearing me up. And so 
all the research I had done, you know, it, it's hard because there's a lot of anecdotal evidence out there that, yeah. you know, people's firsthand account of what works and what doesn't. And it's hard to trust that kind of thing. So I, I try to do a lot of research on and look at actual medical publications and, and things that are science-based. And I really just started looking at what those recommended versus what people recommended. And I found that CBD is a very, very good, just it's a natural anti-inflammatory. You guys know that. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and learning as much as I have about Lyme disease, I've realized that it is an inflammation-based disease, mm -hmm. essentially. Um, mm -hmm. The reason I have all the problems I do is because my brain and my spinal fluid and all that is inflamed really bad. And that's what's causing all the issues. So... Knowing that, I've gone to a couple different doctors, and a lot of them recommend the CBD. Um, I also use THC because I don't sleep. Um, it's about the only thing that works. Okay. Um, the CBD really helps just calm my nerves. Like I have, sometimes I wake up and I have days where I'm just, everything startles me. I mean, someone setting a glass on the countertop will trigger me to, flinch and uh you know i take a tincture of cbd and usually within a half an hour or so i can relax and calm down and like the, the pounding in my head will go away and so it's really been an effective tool really well that's awesome we you know we did that podcast with um matt who talked about cbd tc mm -hmm. cannabis all that and it really opened, um, I've been taking CBD for a couple of years mm -hmm. and I've been recommending it to my patients for about that long. And obviously living in Washington and Oregon where, where cannabis is both medically and recreationally legal, you have a lot more access to it. Mm -hmm. Um, but with the new hemp farming act passing a few months ago, it's making it easier for people to grow hemp mm -hmm. and use hemp medicinally, um, especially for the CBD. Yeah. Um, but, you know, talking with Matt and just learning about how he's working with people medically and helping them with anxiety, pain, inflammation, cancer, all these things, um, really opens your eyes to, it really opened my eyes to the many different reasons that people would take it. Yeah. And, and honestly, it scared me. To begin with, because, yeah. you know, I don't know, you guys probably don't know, but I've been sober for almost 10 years. I haven't had, I quit drinking about four months after I turned 21. Okay. And uh, so it really freaked me out. Right. To even try it to begin with, knowing that I have an addictive personality and I struggled with alcohol in the past, you know, it was something that just like all the propaganda and everything out there, you know, it, it's a quote unquote gateway drug, gateway right? Drug. So yeah. like, sure. you know, it just kind of freaked me out, but. The first time I used it, you know, just recommended on a doctor and some friends that just were like, you know, you should give it a whirl. It'll probably help. And I remember like it was yesterday because I, I went outside and I tried marijuana and I walked back inside and my wife looked at me and she said, there's color back in your face again. Mm. And I was like, I feel like I can breathe again. You know, it was like. Um, uh, sorry, it's kind of hard to talk about, but it's, uh, it was just, it's, it's life-changing, honestly. Like I, um, you know, I thank God every day that I live a place I do where it is accessible and easy to get, you yeah. know, I have options on, you know, because 
I don't like to smoke. I am a very, you know, active person. I don't, I don't want to put something in my lungs that I don't have to, but if it's going to help me the way it does, I mean, sure. I can still run a six minute mile, no problem. You know, it's, it's not, it's not affecting my health in any negative way, mm-hmm. which I also was kind of worried about to begin with. And, you know, I'll be honest, like it got to the point this summer where I had to smoke every four hours. Otherwise I would get startled and have panic attacks without it. Hmm. Like it was getting that bad. And like as much as, you know, I don't, I don't like to smoke that much and I don't like people smelling it on me. I don't like the negative connotations Mm -hmm. that come with it. You know, even though I do live in a place where it's legal in the hunting industry, especially it's definitely looked down upon you know yeah and what did you think about it like what was your opinion on it prior to uh like going to that step and trying it you know prior i kind of always looked at it as just like you know those guys are just stoners and lazy you know but the more that i've seen people that use it and recognize people that use it both medically and recreationally and even just for instead of using ibuprofen or things like that you know i've met a lot of people who just substitute instead Mm -hmm. of the quote-unquote over-the-counter medications and i've realized that it's not it's not that it's not a i don't know what the word is but um you can still be completely responsible Mm -hmm. and use it and it's not gonna you know i'm still fine i still own my own business. I'm fairly successful. I'm not in a bunch of debt. I don't, you know, sit around and watch TV all day. And, you know, so that's kind of my thoughts on it, you know. So, um, when you say smoke it, then that means you're using, you're using cannabis with THC, right? And that's the stuff that's really helping your panic and your anxiety and your sleep. Yes. And then are you taking separate CBD? Yeah. I take, uh, I take a CBD, just like a tincture. Okay. Um, it's like a, little dropper you just put in some water mix it up and throw it back um i do that a couple times a day just to help calm the nerves and stuff and so after i heard matt talk about it um he talked a lot about like dialing it in for people right so some people it sounded like were were great with straight cbd you know Mm -hmm. thc free um some people helped it helped their situation with a little bit of THC mixed mm-hmm. in. Some was less, some was more. It sounds like it's a pretty symbiotic thing for some folks with certain conditions. Well, I think that, I think too, what Matt was trying to get across in that is that because there's over a hundred cannabidiols in cannabis itself, THC is only one of those. There's other THCs and there's other, other ones that are slightly psych- psychoactive as well. But because you think about the whole plant, you can breed a plant to either have more CBDs or have more THC, but that they work kind of synergistically and that even if you have a small amount of THC, it's going to likely make the cannabidiol, it's going to make the CBD work better. So you can take a small amount of THC and not have any effect because it's such a small amount, but it's, it's actually making the CBD work a little bit better. Um, then you could take some CBDs that don't have any THC in them and they work, but, and they work for those people who even just a small amount of THC, their biochemistry doesn't do well with that. Mm -hmm. So like we had talked about, I don't know if I quite shared it on the podcast, but 
Um, I can't remember if I cut it out or not, but sometimes I ramble on. And so because I edit, I cut a lot of stuff out. (laughs) Um, People only knew the hours that got uh, dropped onto the floor. But there was, I take a CBD tincture that had a very like 0.3% THC. So Mm -hmm. I, but I'm sensitive to THC. And then when I, the guy who makes the CBD I was taking, he also made a higher THC ratio tincture for sleep. So I had patients who told me, oh, you got to take that. It's amazing for sleep. And when I took it for sleep, I couldn't sleep because it gave me these crazy weird dreams. Mm. And I felt like I was in a lucid state and I didn't really sleep. And sleep's an issue for me as well. But I need to sleep. Like, I don't need to be having crazy lucid dreams all night because I wake up tired. Yeah. And so for me, that, that little bit more of THC was too much for me, mm-hmm. whereas the CBD with the small, small, small amount of THC Works was perfect. totally fine. But some people, like the people that go, oh my gosh, I take that 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 bedtime formula and I knock out. They, yeah. they just have a different biochemical need for THC. Um, and that's where the personalized medicine comes in because everybody's a little different. I mean, I look at people, like if I smoked pot every four hours... I wouldn't be able to converse with people like, but mm-hmm. I know what THC does to me. And if I was dealing with what you're dealing with, I would probably be using a higher CBD ratio, but with just a little bit of THC. So I don't get quite as much psychoactivity. Mm-hmm. People have to remember, I think that we all are different. And I think that's what all people some forget. people get super stoned and like THC, like me don't take much THC. I get super stoned mm-hmm. and I get paranoid I don't like it. Like, it doesn't make me feel good. Some people, they take a little bit of THC. It chills them out. They're not as anxious. They can converse with people. Like, I can't have a conversation with people like this if I'm on THC. Mm-hmm. Some people, it the receptor stimulation does that. And I think this is where um, we make a generalization. It's like anything. You know, you can abuse anything. Oh, yeah. And anything. definitely people abuse cannabis. There's no doubt about it. No doubt. Right? Mm-hmm. But everybody's a little different. And when you're talking medicinally and using it for certain conditions, everybody's a little bit different. So what I tell people is like, you know, it's just like any other drug or supplement. You give them a hormone or anything. It's like based on your biochemistry that we know we're going to either start at a small dose Mm -hmm. or we know you can handle a higher dose. So we give you a higher dose. And you can't just kind of blanket statement. And I feel that that and Ryan and I are the first to admit that. We've had a lot of prejudices just like you about cannabis use because we lived in a state where it was abused. You can recreationally go buy it. Mm-hmm. I, we have lots yeah. of friends with stone, you know, smoking pot all the time. And we, our personalities have always been since we were together, you know, I'm a really hard worker. I want to be productive. Mm-hmm. THC does not make me productive. Ryan is already chilled out. Like any more pot, he will not <laughs> get that, off the couch. It's not going to. If that's what that does, it, sh- it chills me out more. I would be a slug on the ground He would right sit now. and stare at a wall. And that's not what he, you know, he wants to be out there climbing mountains and doing stuff. Mm-hmm. So for us, we, we definitely had a misconception because this was long before I was even in medicine. This was long before cannabis, cannabis was being talked about as a medicine. And obviously long before hemp and CBD were even known. They didn't even know about the endocannabinoid system when mm-hmm. we were first married. When I got out of med school 12 years ago, they didn't even know about exactly. it. Yeah. So we now know that 
this plant, which Matt says in the podcast, we've lived with 5,000 years in harmony with. The problem is, is, is the government and the propaganda, and mm-hmm. they don't want this. Pl- There's a reason this plant has not, they've illegalized it, because it can heal people. And I can tell you that probably early on science was showing that stuff. And, and even anecdotal evidence based on people's response and so they made it to into like some psychoactive crazy drug and you mm-hmm. were just going to be like that and i'm not saying it doesn't destroy lives you know we listened to um the joe rogan podcast the other night and he had two opposing views on there mm-hmm. one guy who was against it a doctor who was a cannabis physician who was for it and the guy was who was a, against that was it a really good podcast yes, i mean it, you it, should listen to that you probably already sides. know it all yeah, but joe's really good at mm-hmm. getting all every drop of information out of both sides i like that he gets both sides yeah, yeah he's very good. open-minded yeah and, and you know the guy that had written the book against it when it you really titrated it down what he was saying is that pot can cause psychotic breaks and schizophrenia in certain populations that are prone to that Mm-hmm. Well, you can't argue that. That's true. No. We have had a good friend. Ryan's best, one of his best friends from high school is a schizophrenic today. And we likely believe that's because during he went away to college, he was exposed to drug use. And he likely had the genetic, you know, the, the, the gene yeah. that, and he turned it on. Like, we don't yeah, know. Yeah, he was a guy that, um, and that you know, was like tragic. myself, I mean, mm-hmm. just total clean, clean, clean. And then went off to school started smoking a little bit and then started smoking a lot yep. and whatever that did to him triggered it and he became yeah full-blown schizophrenic and he he stayed with us for a while like we tried to get him to take medications this this was a that's very scary stuff it was a very difficult situation and that's probably too where ryan and i developed our prejudice towards drugs oh totally like this screws people's lives up mm-hmm. you know we saw it actually change him but now the education and we see is like yes there's a small subset of those people that are gonna they're gonna turn that on and it's a sad situation for them and their families yeah but what the other cannabis doctor was saying you know you can do thc and within a month your your receptors can downregulate, and you're not it's not like an opioid Mm-hmm. that if you try to get off of it, you got to go to DTs. Like, you got to go to treatment, right? Yeah. You you, you can downreg- your t- downregulate your THC receptors, and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, perfectly fine. Yeah, so I think that there's been a lot of misconceptions, and and we had that as well. Mm-hmm. I like and, to compare it to alcohol, you know, just because alcohol is everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's socially acceptable in every situation, pretty much, except, well, even church, almost. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh that's in essence a poison you know alcohol is a poison yet that's perfectly fine for everyone just to you know and alcohol is a great example we had this same conversation the other night in in especially in botanical medicine and plant medicines we use alcohol to extract the Mm -hmm. constituents out of a plant that the medicine and you take tinctures of it, right? Almost all my CBD tinctures are alcohol based. Yes, because alcohol draws out, there's some plants that need water based, but a lot of them need alcohol to get the medicinal effects out of the plant. Mm -hmm. But we're talking drop doses. You're taking a half a dropper full of a tincture, which has alcohol in it. Mm -hmm. You're not drinking a bottle of wine or two bottles of wine every night. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with what we're finding with the cannabis is that whether it's hemp or whether it's it's cannabis that's bred for higher THC levels, mm-hmm. is that it's it's small doses. It's not like you know these powerhouse doses. 
And it's just so alcohol can be used as medicine and alcohol can be used as poison. Yeah, exactly. My point is and basically, you know, anything can be abused. Yes, yeah. but I would agree with alcohol. The more I learn about cannabis, the more I learn about the biochemistry of plant medicines is that alcohol by nature is much more destructive to us than a lot of these things we've demonized. Mm -hmm. um, and it is legal. And we all start drinking alcohol at a young age and we think it's cool and we get the high and a lot of people get addicted to alcohol and yeah. it's definitely a destructive force. Yeah. I myself, I've been to jail over it. So I, yes. I know firsthand that it can destroy lives. You know, I'm very lucky to have my wife still. And yeah, you know, so I, yeah, I can tell you firsthand it destroys lives. Yeah. Um, but and, and lots of people are, are just really, really easily can say, oh, that pot is bad. You shouldn't do it. Yet they're drinking every night mm -hmm. and they're drinking a six pack every night and they don't realize what that's doing to their body. Mm -hmm. Um, so on that rant, um, well, that's what I find fascinating. Um, you know, there's still kind of some folks that say it's not a medicine, um, I don't know how they can be so blind to that because you're a perfect example. Like, mm -hmm. how do you think your life would be? How would you function yeah, without well, that yeah. option? You talk about like trying to converse with people if you were on a bunch of THC. Well, with the condition that I have, I'm the complete opposite. If I'm Probably. not on anything like that, I get anxiety so bad that I can't hardly get the words out. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I clam up uh, and I just can't handle it. So... If I am on a little bit of THC, it calms my nerves enough so that I can think clearly. I can have a conversation. I'm not, you know, nervous to meet someone just because they're there. Mm -hmm. um, and it could be anyone. So, yeah, it's definitely... Uh, and were you like that before the Lyme disease? No. 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 I've always been just like get along with everyone, able to talk to anyone, walked up to anyone on the street, say hi, whatever. Um, I've always been like that. And so that's what was really hard about it right. i'm curious uh on the line you know aside from the thc and the cannabis help or the cbd helping you is there any other things that you're able to do for the line to like um i actually just recently rented a hyperbaric chamber oh you did and uh it's awesome. fairly expensive but i've noticed hill wants me to put one of those downstairs oh no that's a float tank oh, but float i will take a hyperbaric, hyperbaric chamber, chamber too right. float tanks help a lot too because of all the magnesium in there yes so that yeah. helps calm nerves a lot i do float tanks probably i try to go once a week do like oh. an infrared sauna for like an hour beforehand then hit the float tank right after there's a place kind of by my house that i have a little package and go do that but that's very very it helps a lot no just kidding. calm my nerves and that kind of thing the hyperbaric chamber has been really good um did you buy one of the porta oh you didn't buy one there's the portable ones now so i went to a medical conference and they're like seahawks buy them and stuff mm -hmm. they're portable it's a portable yeah it's yeah. a portable hyperbaric chamber so it's a medium pressure um it's not like the steel tanks like no. the super high pressure ones yeah. but um the first like three times i used it um it was after the third day, I slept for six hours that night, and that was life-changing. I hadn't slept for more than three to four hours, like, continuously in probably six, eight months. Wow. And so yeah. that was enough to convince me that it was worth the money. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so between that, um, just a lot of herbs, um, a lot of supplements, you know, just yeah. fish oil, magnesium, uh I could go on and on. Yeah, just I, supplements I get for days. Lyme patients protocols 
And I'm like, holy cow, like, you got to be pretty compliant it's, with all the supplements. It's, it's along. like having a second and third meal <laughs> every time you got to take another handful of pills. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it gets kind of frustrating and, you know, tiresome after a while just taking handfuls of pills over and over again, you know. And Do you think they're helping? I think they do okay. um, because there's days where I, if I forget or something like that, I definitely notice a difference, you know, whether it's, um, you know, there's a common symptom with Lyme patients they call it brain fog um I don't I don't know how much I believe in what it actually is but I I noticed definitely some I get some pressure and throbbing in my head and uh when I'm on the supplements it definitely helps lower that down so I can think clearly and just kind of accomplish more throughout the day and things like that so you know I after the whole antibiotic thing going through all that and and I also forgot to mention that when I did have my misdiagnosis originally three years ago, they put me on because I was having all the heart palpitations and blood pressure spikes. I was on two blood pressure medications and a... Um, Do you think you were having arrhythmias? Yeah. And so I was on a um, beta blocker for mm. two years as well. And uh, after going through all that with the pharmaceuticals and the antibiotics and all that and nothing helping, everything just getting worse that's when I turned to the naturopath and, and from then on, you know, I've had nothing but good things come out of it. So, you know, I, you know, I, I hate to say like I'm going full hippie, but I've gone full hippie. So, you know, it is what it is. You know, my goal is to change that in this world and let people know that this is, this is like, this is whole person personalized medicine. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be hippie. Just because you don't take pharmaceutical drugs and you don't want to go that pathway doesn't mean that it's any less valuable. Mm -hmm. And it just means that you are taking a more proactive part in your healthcare. Yeah. No, I totally and agree. And I think that's like when you said I went to the naturopath and she just listened to me, you know, she's taking... That was the first time a, that had ever happened. Yeah. yeah that's what's shocking. Instead of those eight, 12 minutes, you get an hour mm -hmm. and a half, two hours. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I had a... I had a an appointment for 20 minutes with one of the head specialists for infectious diseases in one of the major Portland hospitals. And he walked in the room, you know, because I told him on the phone that I had Lyme disease. He walked in the room and he said, what do you want from me? That was his first words out of his mouth. Wow. And then I handed him paperwork that said I had blood tests and all the Lyme and all that. And he just said that I was making it up. <laughs> And, you know, that was just kind of the last straw for me. And I just, from then on, I just, I, I had a hard time trusting a, a normal physician, you know, because they just don't listen. They just automatically jump to, yeah, what are your symptoms? Here's a pill for it. Off you go. And that's what happened to yeah. me, you know, for two and a half years. I went and just, I was kind of convinced that I was just going to be on pills the rest of my life. But I kind of, I didn't want to accept it because I, deep down I knew that something else was going on. Right. Wow. It's heartbreaking to hear these stories. It makes me really glad I'm a naturopath. <laughs> because I think if I was an MD and I had to practice that way, I had to see 40 people a day and I only got 10 minutes with a patient. And 
I just would not feel like I was contributing. I would not have satisfaction with my job. It would be really hard. Yeah, it's hard because, you know, the hard part for me is it, it makes me question myself a lot. You know, when I have so-called uh, professional, so-called professional doctors telling me that I'm making it up. And then I have, on the other hand, doctors telling me that I have a chronic infection that's might or might not last my entire life. What am I supposed to think here? You know, so like, you know, the, the depression and things like that sink in and the anxiety and stuff. It's just, it's, uh, it's pretty rough. You know, I don't, up until about a week ago, there hasn't been guns in my house. Because I, for a while, I, I haven't trusted myself. Because it's been that dark and that wow. deep and that brutal, you know. And I don't, I don't tell a lot of people this, but it's, it's hard, you know. And like I, before this, I looked at depression and anxiety as more of a, a personality deficit. You know what I mean? I was kind of, I was arrogant in that aspect too, because you know I would think, you know, oh, well, this guy's on depression medication. He just needs to, you know pull his head out and just be happy get his shit together right excuse my language um that's okay but uh now that i've gone through it and you know continue to go through it it's it's real and it's it sucks and um you know i just i, I thank the lord that i got a, a good support system i live in a state where i can access the medications that i need on a regular basis um you know i I'm lucky. Yeah. Very lucky. You know, because it could, it could be worse. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I, um, I think that a lot of people are suffering probably needlessly, you know, and not, and feeling like you and not knowing where to go or even turn or what to do. And there's literally, I mean, there's countries that they don't even recognize Lyme disease as a disease. Right? Oh, yeah. So they'll Australia. tell you like that doesn't exist. It's like Canada you don't have well, that. Right? The doctor's. Canada, um, Canada I think. their system won't pay for it, like yeah. their healthcare system. But uh, I mean, I know a lot of Canadians come to the States to get treatment or they mm -hmm. go to Mexico or, or that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. right. um, and that's the hard part, too, is a lot of naturopathic care and treatments are not covered by insurance. So that's another aspect of this thing that's, you know, I think it is over debilitating. the past yeah. three years... I mean, I'd ballpark we're over $60,000 just trying to get me better. Yeah. And yeah. that's not even really calculating anything out. Yeah, I think that is the biggest hurdle, uh, obstacle to cure, is that people don't have the amount of money that is required in order to really address these things on a long-term basis, mm -hmm. right? And that's why a lot of doctors are just like, here, just take the blood pressure medication, just take the anti-anxiety medication, take mm -hmm. the antidepressant, take this, because your health insurance will pay for those things, and your health insurance is not going to pay for a hyperbaric chamber, for a float tank, for an infrared sauna, nope. for your supplements, for your CBD, for your, you know, and um, it it really adds up. So a lot of people, when they, you know, they take the balance sheet and they look at what they could be doing versus what they can afford, they end up not getting the care they need because they can't afford it. And it is tragic. And I think that, um, I also feel like a lot of Lyme doctors, because working in Washington, there's a lot of Lyme um, specialists and people that, and because insurance doesn't cover it, there's a lot of cash practices. Mm -hmm. There's an institute um, where you guys used to live that is 
Well, Sophia Sophia Institute is just down the street, and I get quite a few, for the specialty I work in, I get quite a few, I have in the past had quite a few referrals from them Mm -hmm. um, for supporting Lyme patients. And um, I looked into that, and they told me, it was between eight and twelve thousand for the first week. Yes, it's very expensive, and so you have to. People are, I lit. I mean, people are mortgaging their houses. People mm-hmm. are selling, like you. You can't just so that they can get treatment, and sometimes those treatments don't work. Like it's it's a long term process. A week is not going to take care of it. Mm-hmm. You're talking months, if not years. I've had patients say. They've been coming to Sophia for years. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and and Sophia is only one clinic, and they're trying to provide care for so many people that you know. It, then it comes down to you have to charge a certain amount because you can only see so many people, mm-hmm. and, and you you only have so many doctors who are really truly trained in any of these alternative therapies. And so it's like on both ends. And I, I find that that's the most difficult thing um, for patients. And even CBD, you know, is expensive. It's not cheap. No. Yeah. And I mean, patients 50, don't. 60 bucks a week on the cheap end if you, yeah. you know. So no. if, if you're high dose in somebody and they need to for a month or two or for you maybe even longer, they need to be taking 60 milligrams, 120 milligrams a day. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's multiple hundreds of dollars a month. Oh, yeah. What but, do you take uh, a yeah. day? What uh, seems to be your I think sweet spot? Right now I've been on like 20 milligrams a day. Oh, okay. that's good. And, and that's a tincture though, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the tinctures, they absorb sublingually really fast, and so they can be faster acting. Mm-hmm. I um, also supplement with a, just like the full spectrum extract. It's, yeah. It's a really, really, it's almost like molasses. It comes in like a little medical syringe type thing. Right. And uh, that's I'll just... That's the, uh, the guy that was making that stuff up in Canada yeah. years ago. Uh, uh, Matt talks about it. Rick him. Simpson Oil. The Rick Simpson oil. The yeah. cancer guy. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I use that just because it lasts longer, like way, way longer. I don't have to smoke every four hours. So I can, mm-hmm. you know, take a little bit and just I empty out like a little gel cap, mm-hmm. whatever's in there, squirt some in there, take that. And I'm usually good for a day. So, or if I'm having trouble sleeping, I can take one of those before bed mm-hmm. and usually get six, seven hours solid. So that's definitely a a real big help there too. Right. Well, the benefit now is that because of the hemp farming act, the laws around CBD are changing. Mm-hmm. We can, you can ship to all 50 States now CBD yep. uh, with, especially the products that have no THC in them. Um, that's helpful too for people that get drug tested and stuff. Cause yeah. you know, tiny, tiny, small amounts of THC may not show up, but I could never recommend to a patient who gets drug tested that, they should take it because if it does show up, then yeah. yikes. So um, it's nice. The CBDs, you can get them without THC, and they can be shipped across country now. Just the FDA, because of the Hemp Farming app, opens more distribution of hemp. It opens the door it for a lot more lower-quality things. And lower quality, yeah, but it also opens the door for the FDA to really come down on people when they make medical claims. Mm-hmm. And so that gets harder for companies when they do want to sell it. You have to be careful about medical claims. Yeah. I'm just kind of like a supplement or whatever. But um, 
yeah, that's it's starting to change, mm-hmm. right? It's starting to get, and more and more states are getting legalization or at least medical legalization mm-hmm. so people can get access. Um, but I think, too, that like in a case like yours, it's helpful to have a medical professional walk you through it, mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of people start self-medicating with marijuana, possibly for all different kinds of things, but they not they may not realize exactly why they're doing it. And yeah. so addressing the underlying issue, whatever it is, Lyme disease or, you know, anxiety or mm-hmm. other things is really important. And yeah. I think that's, it's important to find somebody who understands that and can, can help you navigate that a little bit. That's because, been pretty tough too, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, the naturopath that I'm seeing now, she's very open-minded and very just helpful when it comes to that. And so it's Do you want to give her a shout out? Uh, her name is Brenda McCool. McCool. In, yep. Cool. In uh, Clackamas, Oregon. And she saved my life. So I owe her a lot. Let's give her a shout out. Yeah. Go definitely. see Brenda McCool if mm-hmm. you're in Northern Oregon, Southern Washington. Yeah. 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 But I was going to mention too, like you, you were talking about, we were, talking about the extracts earlier um yeah i have noticed that when i do use just plain marijuana i do see more benefits than if i use like a uh, an extract that is like strictly thc or strictly you know like uh the extracted oils and things like that Mm. the whole plant Mm -hmm. works Mm -hmm. works way better yeah. Lasts longer. I get way better effects. Um, I'm way more clear-headed, and it just it just seems to work a lot better. So that's one thing that I've noticed a lot too when it comes to the supplements. And you can, um, from what I understand, you can breed plants to have what you want. So like, if you need high CBDs, you just breed the plant to have CBD. So you're getting a full spectrum product it just doesn't have much or if any thc because yeah. it hasn't been bred for that mm-hmm. or if you need thc it's it's got more thc in it yeah exactly. and that's my understanding but yeah definitely i mean this is again back to like really good plant medicine is i mean the reason plants work so well is because they have a synergistic effect mm-hmm. but they're just lower force right yep. like if you extract something like aspirin's a great example of it you know white willow bark yep, was, willow bark, was what they say. used for pain and and then they figured out that the, you know, the component of white willow bark that the salicylate that decreases pain, they extracted that out pharmaceutically and they made aspirin. Mm-hmm. So aspirin is higher potency, right? Like you can take it, it works pretty fast, but it has more side effects. Mm-hmm. If you eat a bunch of aspirin, you're going to over time, you may have a bunch of problems yep. um, internally. But, um, but white willow bark using the whole plant, drinking the tea or whatever was it, it didn't work quite as strongly and as fastly as aspirin does, but it worked over time and mm-hmm. it was like more, it was more like food. Yeah. And so that's the difference with plant medicine. And, and another, another natural product that I, I didn't mention to you is, uh, and it's, it's actually under a lot of scrutiny too, is Kratom. Um, yeah. I use just really small doses. Just take like, I think they come in like a half gram capsule. And uh, one of those, usually, because I typically have a lot of back pain, it's all on my left side with the, with the disease. And uh, it's, it's a natural anti-inflammatory as well. And it just really does a really good job of taking away the pain without making you the side effects of a narcotic. It, it essentially right. it targets the same receptors in your brain from everything that I've researched. And it works like a narcotic, but you don't feel groggy. You don't feel weird in the head you just get nice good pain relief and you know that's something that is also kind of 
scrutinized and controversial, but it's uh, been very helpful for me too. Well, I think it's been used quite frequently to get people off opioids. Mm -hmm. Like it's a, instead of using methadone clinics, you can use Kratom and you can naturally get people down off of their opioids. Yeah, it's been really helpful. So I, again, like I said, it's a plant-based medicine and it's done me wonders. So. Hmm, Cool. I have to do a little more research on that. I've heard some I've heard some podcasts and I've read some stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, like I said, I've heard negative and positive things about it. It just depends on kind of who you ask and what the situation is. Yeah, again, personalized medicine. Like and else. the truth is, I think as humans, we uh, we we think more is better. Mm-hmm. You take a little more, it'll help a little more. Yep. You know, more is better. And so then we start over abusing things, and you yep. know, that's where we get into trouble. Yep. Yeah. Like I said, some people don't do good with certain things, mm-hmm. and they shouldn't be taking it. Exactly. You know, yep. so yep. well. Thank you for sharing your story, yeah, man. man. That's like a lot to put I out really there. I really appreciate you reaching out and you know talking mm-hmm. with me over social and on the phone and sharing that story. I mean, man, it's such a difficult thing to hear, and uh, I think it's really good and valuable for you know our community. Like you mentioned in the beginning, it's 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 like. It's something that hunters should be very, very hyper aware of because I, it's, I think so. it's right there. Yeah. And I think, you know, as hunters, we put ourselves out there a lot more than anybody else. Yeah. So and we all like to think we're invincible. Oh, it's not, doesn't, it's not going to happen to me. And yeah. It's, what are the chances? Right? And even if it does, it's just a little flu, but you know, and I thought yeah. the same thing, but it's clearly not. Yeah. And you know, like my kind of goal from this, you know, I, I, if I can help one person from going through what I've gone through, then I've. I've well, done, I, I feel good. I think just in this podcast, I think you've done that. And then some, I think people, I mean, I just, I love the fact that this information is getting out there. Um, people can see, you know, along with the CBD and, you know, the medicines that you're using that are, that are effective. Maybe you'll look at it. Maybe people will look at it a little bit differently because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we had made some comments back and forth. Like you and I were in the same camp when it came to the stigma of, you know, marijuana and all that mm-hmm. prior, but yeah, with the more information I learn, you know, I definitely see it as uh, it's got a very high value for a lot of people. I mean, mm-hmm. where would your life be right now without the effects of it? Um, I sure as heck wouldn't be hanging out at the Western <laughs> Hunting Expo. <laughs> no, no, life would be totally different for mm-hmm. you. So, again, yeah, I really appreciate you uh, sharing that with everybody and, and reaching out. And really, uh, really happy to get you on this podcast. Yeah, not a problem. Like I said, if I can help someone out, then I've done my job. So so give us your info if people want to reach out to you, your Instagram handle. Uh, or... Instagram is this JDK4387. Um, I got a Facebook too, Justin Clement. Um, other than that, uh, I do a little writing for Go Hunt. I'm going to try to get an article out with them on this, tell my story through that avenue as well. Awesome. And Perfect. then, uh, so hopefully, you know, people can be aware. Love it. It's great. Cool. All right. All right. Well, we're excited gonna, to put yeah. this out. But cool. yeah, get okay. back to the show here. Yeah, we got some. Go back to work. Got some t-shirts and hats <laughs> yeah. to sell. So. There you go. All okay. Right. Thanks, Thanks a lot, Justin. Justin. No problem. The Stealthy Hunter website and the Hunt Harvest Health podcast is for general health information only. This podcast is not to be used as substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment of any health condition or problem. Any questions regarding your own health should be addressed to your own primary care physician or other health care provider.